This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Sucker Sub. Go listen. I'm Banter. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Now pay me. Pay me in cash, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending the Soccer Subs Podcast, the number one podcast covering soccer in New York City and all over the world. Let's give it up for Ronnie. Let's give it up for Christian. And let's give it up for you, the Soccer yeah. Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 37. My name is Ronnie. I'm your host. Go here with my two Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian and Eric. My goodness, we've been gone for a while. We took a nice little break. Feels good to be back. Fellas, how you guys doing? It's been a while. Christian, Eric, how you guys doing? Uh, it's always an honor to be here with the two goats, Eric, Ronnie. I'm so happy to be back and talk soccer with the big Soccer Sub fans and uh, Yes, number 37, the number of Alama Traoré, the big Spanish legend. Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Oh, man, we're back for episode 37 after a long, much-needed break. But we're all refreshed. We're ready to get going. And, you know, there's so much soccer to talk about. Can't wait. That's right, Eric. Much-needed break. I was traveling in Spain. Christian, the Christian went to Spain. Now Eric wants to go to Spain, but we're officially back. Uh, yeah, for the soccer fans... We got a big episode for you guys today. We got a big guest, as always, for you guys. As of today, he's the official permanent head coach of Louisville City in the USL. He's also, he's also a former MLS player. He's played for the Houston Dynamo, Philadelphia Union, Minnesota United. Oh, man, it's a true pleasure. We got Coach Danny Cruz joining us in just a little bit. Super excited to talk to him, pick his brain on tactics, just how he got, how he got to coaching. Great guy. Super excited to talk to him in just a little bit. And for the soccer fans, we haven't talked to you guys in a while. It's good to be back. A lot of stuff to get into. Most importantly, we're in the middle of World Cup qualifiers. They are officially underway. As of yesterday, Germany officially clinched World Cup status. They are officially on their way to the World Cup. We've got USA losing to Panama yesterday. That was a shocker, like losing 1-0 to Panama in Panama. France winning the Nations League, beating Spain 2-1. Argentina beating Uruguay 3-0. That was a shocker to me, actually. For our Ecuadorian fans, we lost to Venezuela 2-1 to in Caracas. Oh, man. The Copa Libertadores is officially all set as well. We have ourselves a final, Flamengo versus Palmeiras. That's going to be a good final. Can't wait for that. And we got the latest Champions League scores. Juve beating Chelsea 1-0. Benfica beating Barcelona. Barcelona hasn't been in good shape since we last talked. They also lost to Bayern 3-0 at the Camp Nou as well. PSG beating Man City 2-0. A team called Sheriff shocking Real Madrid beating them 2-1 at the Bernabeu. That, that was crazy. We got to talk about that real quick. Atletico Madrid beating AC Milan and Man United beating Villarreal with that Cristiano Ronaldo last minute goal. That was that was crazy. Um, <laughs> Eric, what else did I miss, man? It's been so much going on. What's been going on in the Premier League, man? Oh, man. I mean, I can't believe we missed the big one. You know, soon we're going to see Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, you know, Lewandowski at Newcastle, you know. They got imminent <laughs> takeover is uh, set to be happening soon. Another big boy probably in the future. Maybe Newcastle wins the UCL in the future. I'm hearing that Lampard may get the job as well. 
we have Neymar. Neymar has talked about uh, World Cup 2022 being his last World Cup. I'm trying to see, you know, whether that's true or not. We have, you know, injury concerns with Lukaku and Hazard. But aside from that, it's been an, a full packed week of soccer news. One last thing. I, want, I just want to congratulate our boy, Julian Araujo, for finally picking the side. The better CONCACAF side, congrats. I can't wait to see you represent for wow. Team Mexico for a three. Wow. That was a big decision. Decision day finally came for Julian Araujo. Yeah, he officially picked Mexico. That was huge. Also, we got Chelsea on top of the leaderboard in the Premier League. Some good games coming up right after this international break. It's going to be crazy. But, fellas, yeah, like we mentioned, Champions League predictions were crazy. Uh, we haven't talked to the soccer fans since then. Let me just ask you guys real quick, what game stood out to you guys? Let's get some predictions underway. Eric, let me just start it off with you, man. What what was your thoughts of, your, of the last Champions League round, and who do you guys got winning it all for the Champions League? Uh, he got to talk Madrid, I'm sure. Well, it was a pretty impressive Champions League round. You know, obviously, well, Madrid lost to Sheriff, which, um, you know, I mean, things like this happen. It's a blip in their, in their title run, you know. It, it happens, you know. Sometimes a, a big team, a huge team, you know, just loses to a small team. And, you know, it happens. That's the thing about this, this sport. You know, the big boys aren't going to always win. And, you know, that's why I was so against this, you know, European Super League over the summer, you know. You won't be seeing games like this when a, ma- when a major – superpower team loses to this small team who you know realistically has such a smaller budget compared to these larger teams aside from that you know yeah we lost whatever that's fine you know i can also talk barcelona losing to benfica but you know that's, no that's, that's it like, you know? <laughs> that's already, you know that's already like it's already like known you know that team is just incredibly poor i just you know this is not the barcelona side we saw you know just destroying Europe with prime Xavi, prime Iniesta, prime Messi, all of those, the Neymar and Suarez. This is just a Barcelona who's just in shambles. It's it's quite sad, actually. Uh, you know, I'm excited that, you know, Ronaldo got that last-minute goal against Villarreal, and they got, you know, United got that revenge against Villarreal when they lost to them in the Europa League final. But in terms of who's winning this Champions League, I have two contenders, and I don't think any any other teams, you know, match the two, these two teams. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are just such an amazing team. They play, you know, they play so in sync. They're just a, an amazing team. Lewandowski is really pushing for that Ballon d'Or. If he doesn't win it this year, best belief he's going to win it next year and he's going to, you know, make a point for it this year. And my second team who's a close call is actually Liverpool. Listen, Liverpool are on top of the Premier League, but Liverpool are not a team to sleep on. They Listen, they, the way they can adapt their team to fit any type of opponent is just amazing. And when everyone's fully fit, Liverpool are probably – if not the most dangerous side to face on a counterattack, you know, they're just unbelievable. I don't see PSG winning again. You can't just assemble players with a bunch of money and stars. That's not what a team is. Bayern and Liverpool final Bayern and probably wins to be honest. Bayern and Liverpool. All right, Christian, man, it's been a while since we heard from you, man, who you got winning the champions league. What's your, what's your prediction at this point? Uh, you know what? I agree with, uh, with a lot of things that Eric said, I saw the PSG match, against City, and although they won, although the goal, Messi scored a beautiful goal, by the way, I got to say that this team is just too dependent on Mbappe and, and maybe what Neymar and Messi can do because if they play Bayern, they're not going to have the chances they did and actually going to get destroyed by this Bayern offense because they had too much pressure. Uh, PSG has too much pressure on their midfielders that they have to cover space for Neymar and Messi. There was a point in the game where like from the 60th minute, Neymar 
Messi and even Mbappe was just starting to walk on the field. And when you're playing against big dogs like Bayern Munich, like Liverpool, who don't stop running, who got like N'Golo Cantes everywhere, it's going to be tough to beat them. I, and look, I love Messi and I love PSG because of their, uh, uh, their attacking trio, right? They can do wonders. We saw that. But can they do that for 90 minutes? Can they afford to be walking around the field? I, I definitely don't think so. You know, there's going to be teams who are going to be better prepared to take them on. I would love to see a little bit more of a commitment, especially for Messi, especially for Neymar. You know, I see Messi running now with Argentina team. Can he do it now with PSG? I hope he does it in uh, day in and day out. I hate to see players not giving their 100%. And that's one of the things I, I you know, I kind of feel bad about PSG. Other than that, I think that their midfield was just wonderful. Gay, Verratti, Ander Herrera, and their defensive line are just, uh, you know, containing as much as they can. But they definitely got to work something out. Pochettino has to be able to push these guys to commit as a team. And that's the thing that I saw from Sheriff uh, Tiraspol against Real Madrid. All 10 players, attackers, midfielders, defense, they all came in and out, in and out. Whenever it's time to defend, they regroup. Whenever it's time to attack, all of them went in in certain areas to make sure they found a counter, whether it's playing with the whites and finding crosses to, uh, to, to find their, their forward. Those are the things that I want to see from PSG because if they want to play a counter-attack in football, everyone has to be committed. So I kind of went on, on, on both games. Uh, you know, I think they were very impressive to me. They're two different styles. You know, I talk about PSG. I, I think they were, you know, they, they can do a lot more coming forward. But uh, the commitment has to be there, man. And um, choosing a favorite, I think I'm going to stay with, uh, with Man City because I do love what they can do. But man, uh, sometimes they look like they miss forward and they missed it on this game. But hopefully Guardiola has a, finds a way to always make things work out. Eric, just real quick to your point, I just I was just looking at the last scores and I see Liverpool beating Porto and Porto 5-1. to one. Talking about what you were just saying, that you, they can they can adapt really well. So I like that, man. For me, man, I think I'm going to probably go. It's going to be a tough choice, but I kind of want to stick with my Premier League choice of Chelsea, kind of repeat champions, or or Bayern. I'm not sure if I can hold off on my predictions till the next episode, but I've got those two as my favorites right now. Uh, Christian, to your point with PSG, I totally agree. I don't know if I could see PSG sticking together for 90 minutes. They looked good against that win against Man City. But you're going to have other opponents that are going to try and break them down. For me, when you put together a team, they don't just instantaneously click. I think the teams that need time to evolve and adapt and, and work together. And you put together some superstars in PSG, amazing, but they might crumble at times. And to be together in unison for 90 minutes, we've had guests on, on this show just talking about being in sync, you know, and can they do that? I'm not too sure, right? So... Well, that's a manager. That's that's the question that I have for you guys because we we heard about Neymar and Mbappe. Mbappe saying he doesn't pass me the ball, and then you have yes, Anelka, and the drama. Have, what's so 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 who's supposed to control that? Right. No, you're right. It's on the manager. I think Pochettino, in a way, tries to refrain. Oh, they they spoke about it in the locker room. I think you know, but <laughs> Eric, I don't know. I'm curious. What do you think? Yeah. Like, do you feel like Pochettino should have a better grasp on those internal talks? I mean, there's only so much a coach can do. I think it's more so on the players at this point. Like, yes, you you know, if you think about it, it's not like it's not like they're playing for free. These players are not playing for free. They 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 make one of you know the biggest wages in you know club football. Amongst them, Neymar, PSG, and Messi. All three of them are definitely in the top ten earners in soccer in general. So if I mean if they can play 
as a coherent team. As much as I want to blame it on the coach, look, it's the coach's fault if, if he just tactically gets it wrong. If he plays Neymar at like a left back or a full back position, that's obviously like the worst decision you could do as a coach. But again, hey, I'm not a coach. But listen, when it comes to player like morale between each other, that's more so on the players and they're just their egos. You have, you know, Neymar and Messi who are World Cupless. And then you have Neymar, who, I mean, then you have Mbappe who has a World Cup. You have, you know, Neymar and Messi who have like two UCLs each and Messi more. And then, you know, Mbappe has none. So it's like, it's a clash of egos. And honestly, these players are just like, look, Neymar and Messi are buddy buddies, best friends. Obviously Mbappe did not want to stay there. He wanted to go to Madrid. Maybe it's that maybe again, it's an ego thing. And I, I think it just boils down to the players. I think Pochettino given if Mbappe leaves, I think the team may function even better, to be honest, in terms of functioning better as a team in terms of winning. I think Mbappe is probably their best player. That's their heart and soul. Mbappe is the heart and soul of this team. And and, and that's one of, one of the things. Like if I was a coach, I, I just will find a way to invite Neymar because Messi will understand. He's he's 34. Right now, you're passing the torch to Mbappe. He's the main guy of this team. But the thing is that how do you say, Neymar, you know, we love you, but you're going to have to make Mbappe shine. How do you tell that to Neymar, one of the most, you know, extravagant players in the world? You just, you just, you just can't, you can't, you can't. It's why I don't see PSG winning yeah. uh, anything with the three front line as good as they are. I think when you have a star studded team, you have to have that unselfish player. Think about Madrid back to when they had Bale, Ronaldo and Benzema. That front line was incredible, but they had unselfish players and Benzema. Benzema is obviously, he's probably the most informed player right now in the world but he was so unselfish having stars near him with Bale and Ronaldo in the wings. He was unselfish and he was, he often unshine. He didn't shine as bright as those two, which I'm happy he's shining right now, but he was unselfish back to uh, Messi, Neymar and Suarez. Suarez was definitely the workhorse there. He, you know, he didn't shine as often as Neymar and Messi, but you have to have this, this the unselfish players. And I think with Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, I think all of them want to be the main man. Mbappe, in his own right, he's young. He, you want to be in your prime for as long as you can. You want to start young. You want to be known as the best. Neymar, you know, obviously still in his prime, you can argue. Messi's still holding on to what's little left of his prime. So it's like, it's tough pleasing everyone. And I think losing one, I think, would benefit the team. But it, in terms of like, you know, potential-wise and offensive-wise, I don't know, you know? That's a good point. More to come on that. I mean, uh, PSG is definitely a team to keep an eye on and their chemistry and everything. So let's see how that unfolds. But uh, glad you guys brought that up. I wanted to ask you guys on on our next question. What went wrong with USA versus Panama? We're talking about coaches, tactics, coach decisions. Apparently, there were seven changes in the USA versus Panama game. I wanted to ask you guys what went wrong. Christian, I, don't feel, I feel like you got a lot to say on this one. Let me start with you, man. What, what do you feel went wrong with Halter and USA going to Panama? And, and that's the reason why. Why were there seven changes? Uh, one of the best advice that, that I had gotten from, uh, from the coaching perspective is that your best team, you have your best 11. And then you probably have five or six players who you can find a way to get them on the starting lineup or just be that role player that comes in as a substitute. But, you know, I know that we have a huge talent pool, but you still got to have your best 11 on the field. I was surprised not to see Robinson. I'm not sure if he was uh, any injuries or a yellow card, but he was on the bench. And he's one of the best center backs in the U.S., Robinson, Miles Robinson. And then, uh, you know, I think the 
best player on the field, not because he was here on the show, but Sebastian Lejet was the only mature player who made the best decisions on the field. Everyone else seemed disconnected. There was no cohesiveness. I think they were trying uh, too hard to show the best of themselves and not play best as a team. I feel, felt so bad for Zardes because he felt so disconnected from everyone else and he was trying to join the attack, but there was no ball to find him. And a lot of commentators said this. Panama was more, ag more aggressive than the U.S. They wanted it more. Yeah, but wanting it more is not enough. Positioning has to be connected with wanting it more. So the role that, uh, from, what I've saw, uh, from what I've seen from Panama in the past, uh, this Panama looks completely different. I think they were more connected. They definitely find a way to move the ball quicker with one-touch passes and a lot of swings from uh, left and right. I mean, these guys are playing good football and they beat the U.S. with great football. So there was no like parking the bus and finding a counter that. They wanted it. I think the first half, U.S. play horribly. And then the second half, they tried to fix it with Tyler Adams, but it, it was too late because that corner came in, that set piece came in, and then Godoy, I think uh, Newell Godoy is the one that scored. And that was it because they were struggling to connect on the field. Uh, Berhalter, I know he has, uh, he, Sebastian Leggett has said it in the show. He's the one that has this mindset, this coaching mindset of finding a way to improve players. And he does that. But in order to have a cohesive team, you got to give them more time together and you got to find your starting 11. There's no room for mistakes. You're playing world qualifying matches. This is the most important where everybody gives their 110% blood, sweat, and tears. Panama in their stadium with their people, you can't go in and, and experiment like that. Just an interesting stat. The U.S. MNT failed to register a single shot on target in those 90 minutes, by the way, too. Just just to add insult to injury and just just to show how much of a horrendous performance that was. But all right, let me just get quick thoughts real quick. What do you think went wrong with USA versus Panama? Obviously, the seven changes. But what do you think Halter probably missed or anything? <laughs> I mean, well, for one, I'm happy that, you know, U.S. men's national team are losing. I'm sorry. I'm a Mexico fan. So, you know. When a big rival is losing, it, it benefits my team because we we go, we go we go top of the table. But no, that's besides the point. Listen, this goes back to my argument about, you know, the coaches versus players. At this point, it's a coaching error. And, you know, I've, I've heard fans say, listen, you know, we played away. It was hot. The pitch was wet and muddy. Listen, that's, that's not an excuse. You're going back to that same excuse that you used in Trinidad and Tobago when you didn't qualify for the World Cup. That's the same type of mentality you used. And, I, I you know, I don't agree with that mentality. But that's besides the point. Again, with the coaching decisions, you experiment with substitutions. You experiment with formations and a friendly match. When you're facing Ireland or something at a random stadium, some random month of the year and you know you experiment there because you want to you know want to you want to see these new players you want to see how they play together you don't experiment away from home in a world cup qualifying match unless you want a repeat of 2018 you do not do that and you know it could go down to you know fitness issues or wanting to avoid injuries listen if you want to qualify you play your best starting 11 every single game that you can if they're fit have them play don't have don't leave them on the on the on the bench have them play. This is what they're there for. Obviously, I can tell that this U.S. men's national team is not the best without Tyler Adams, without that holding midfielder. He just clicks so many boxes for that. And Kellyanne Acosta, as good as he is, he is no Tyler Adams. It was tough watching U.S. men's national team because obviously they looked like a team that just feel unorganized. They looked like they weren't comfortable on the ball. Panama were just looking just 
the better team, in my opinion. They were just pressing them and just overpowering them physically. And at, at certain points, I'm like, you know, Panama might score another one. That's it. Bury the game. And, you know, some people would argue, oh, this is like, you know, this is awful, ugly football. Listen, you have to understand these are World Cup qualifying matches. It's not like you're doing a random friendly. You're not, you know, whatever you want to call it, terrorist football. You want to call it ugly football. You want to call it, you know, parking the bus. You know, whatever you can do to get that result, you want to make it to the biggest tournament in the world, the World Cup. And anyway, I, I see it as any way to, you know, get that point, do it. And Panama did it. And I don't know, but Halter, you know, you have to look, look, look at your tactics. I don't think he'll be sacked. I think it plays too much of a, uh, it's like kind of like a gamble. You don't fire a coach before a World Cup. It's just, it doesn't have any logic to that. And it's a, it's, it's like a high risk, high reward. But then again, you know, I wouldn't gamble on that. 100% Eric. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense to, uh, to sack Berhalter for this one, but I hope it's a lesson learned here on, on Berhalter. To me, I think Berhalter cost them this game, lost them this game, just on, on the formation. You know, like Eric just said, you got your best players, some of them on the bench. You got Pepe on the bench, Brendan Aronson. Why did you not start Sergino Dest, Tyler Adams? You know, I think they were riding hot on that Jamaica game, 2-0 at home. Then they go to Panama, and you heard that quote from Berhalter on – on Bleacher Report saying the trap is going to be us thinking we were great and think we've qualified for the World Cup. If we do that, we're going to get our asses kicked in Panama on Sunday. And that's exactly what happened. So to me, I think Berhalter cost him this one. We got to bounce back. And I think it all starts with just putting your best players out there. If you have a starting 11 that works, it worked really well against Jamaica, which is no scrub team, by the way. I think they're going to be fine, but they need to get back to basics. I mean, sloppy play, chemistry was off. But again, that's because these aren't the main starters. And I think it was a sloppy performance on all, on all cylinders. But I hope USA can bounce back on this one. You don't want a repeat of what happened back in, in 2018, you know? So there's two. I want to repeat. I, I want to <laughs> No, no, Eric, we won the soccer subs in the World Cup. We want to be in Qatar, man. So we'll go for Mexico, but we got to, you know, we got to cover the U.S. too, man. Yeah. I'll, right. I'll, listen, I'll go over there whether U.S. makes it or not. I'm still going to be there. Listen, <laughs> winter, Christmas break, I'll be there whether U.S. makes it or not. Mexico for sure is going to be there. Yeah, Eric, our podcasting jobs depend on this. So we, we, we need the World Cup to be. <laughs> no, no, no. But anyway, for great analysis from you guys on, on USA versus Panama, USA has to bounce back. Next games are must wins to qualify. We do not want what happened back in 2018, which turned out at Tobago, like Eric mentioned. These games are win or die, kind of. You, you ha we have to win. So we'll keep an eye on that. And all right, guys, let's get to our special guests. Coach Danny Cruz from Louisville City. A huge congrats to Danny Cruz today being being announced as a permanent head coach of Louisville City. Uh, we're going to talk to Danny on his MLS career, MLS Super Draft, how he became a coach. Uh, great interview, great guy. And Coach Danny Cruz is coming up next. Let's go. All right, soccer fans. We have a special guest joining the show today. He's a former American soccer player who's now on the coaching side. He's played for clubs such as the Houston Dynamo, DC United, Philadelphia Union, Real Monarchs, just to name a few. He's also been an assistant coach for the Real Monarchs and Louisville City in the USL. He is now the interim head coach for Louisville City. Oh, man, what a pleasure. It's a true pleasure to have him on the show. Just please give a warm welcome to Coach Danny Cruz on the show. What up? Uh, coach Danny. <laughs> hey, Coach. That's our little soccer subs intro. We hope, you know. I love we, it. We always try to have a good intro for our guests. 
First things first from all of us, of course, how are you? It's been a heck of a USL season so far. Just wanted to get your assessment of the season so far up to date. And just as a two-parter, one of our first questions is, how did you pick up the game? Everyone, like I said, we said, we ha- everyone has a story. We're curious to know how you picked up the game as a little kid and what made you fall in love? Yeah, so I, I actually started pretty late um, with regard to football. And I was, uh, I, I used it as, a, as an ability to, to stay fit for American football. And I ended up falling in love with it my, my freshman year of high school. And it was, uh, it, it accelerated very quickly from there. Um, it's been a, it's certainly, as you put it, it's been a journey, but I've, I've lo- loved every minute of it and I've learned every single day. And I certainly don't take for granted uh, what I'm fortunate to be able to do uh, for a living. Uh, 100% coach. And I mean, like we said, it's been a heck of a season. One reason we love the USL is because just similar to the MLS, any team could be any team. You know, it's a grind every game. Just wanted to get your take also on, you know, on Louisville's uh, season so far, any challenges so far, uh, just your thoughts. Yeah, I think, listen, it's, uh, it's certainly a challenging league. Um, there's no doubt about it. The way that it's structured this year, you know, it is very difficult uh, to play the same opponent, you know, multiple times throughout the year. Um, but ultimately, there's a, you know, there's a roadblock in front of us. And our job is to make sure the players are prepared to go through it uh every single day and so you know so far we've been really pleased uh as a staff listen i have a a locker room full of men that um are extremely bought in that understand the the importance of culture um accountability you know every single day and you know when you have that uh as a manager you know you can't be more you couldn't be more thankful right and and ultimately uh the leaders in this group you know they drive it they hold one another uh, accountable every single day, as I said, and I've been fortunate this year to where, you know, I feel like we have a very deep roster, uh, have the ability to to make changes uh, any given week and feel that the standard remains the same, especially when you look at, you know, the, certainly the, the July that we had, it was pretty brutal. Um, and, and as the schedule here plays out the remainder of the season, it's going to be pretty tough. So we talk about the importance of being ready when your number's called, but also, uh, when you're not numbers, when your number's not called, making sure that uh, you're ready to go for, you know, once the match starts and, and ultimately you're, you're doing everything you can to make sure that those guys on the field have what they need to, to win the game. Uh, 100%. Definitely agree with that. And um, by the way, we had a former player uh, for Louisville, Mark Anthony Kay, who's now in Colorado Rapids, but I yeah. have a player who said great things about Louisville. And one Great other player. guest, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and yeah. one other guest we had on our show was um, Miss Shannon McMillan, uh, U.S. Women's uh, National Team player. And yeah. one of our first questions for you, uh, Coach Danny, was, you know, she's over in the USL side with the San Diego Loyal, and she talked about managing different roles. Um, I was curious as to last season, we saw you were an assistant coach and also a technical director. Just wanted to ask you what last season was like wearing different hats, you know, having two two roles all in one, kind of what was that like for you? Yeah, I think it, listen, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and again, as we started, you know, started off on the podcast talking about, uh, it's about those relationships. And so when you're dealing with trying to build the roster, when you're dealing with negotiating a contract, different agents uh, around the world, it's important that you have, you know, good relationships, contacts, and and ultimately trust, right? And so, Wearing multiple hats, honestly, it wasn't, 
you know, I never felt it was too much. I never felt uh, that uh, it was a problem whatsoever. Because the reality is, is, is when you're trying to build a team and you're trying to win a championship, ultimately, when you get those deals across the line, you're you're happy and you're comfortable with your decision because you've made it, you know. And so, uh, we worked well with one another in in bringing in the depth that we have this year. I was really happy with that and. Ultimately, when you look at how this year's played out, I'm fortunate in that, you know, I have a group of men that I, I wanted here um, and and that are certainly giving me everything they have on a on a daily basis. Definitely, definitely, Coach. Um, you know, as, uh, we could definitely tell that you're a man of many talents, for sure, for sure. But, um, Coach, I guess touching a bit upon yourself, I'm curious. So, so you joined the MLS through the draft. And as a young guy, I'm just, I'm well, when you were getting drafted, you know, what was your mentality yeah. like waiting on, you know, a team to sign you? I'm curious, you know, what was like your state of mind? You know, what were you thinking? You know, I'm, I just want to get that insight. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good question and one that I really haven't been asked. So, you know, that was a really difficult day for me in that, um, you know, when I went to the combine, to be quite frank, I was, I was extremely nervous. I, I certainly did not have a good uh, week there. There's no doubt about that. And so when the draft ended up coming, you know, I was a generation Adidas player and, you know, a player that doesn't necessarily, uh, at the time didn't hit the salary cap and I dropped pretty low, you know, in the draft. And so you start, you know, questioning yourself. And um, I was young, obviously at the time, but I could not have ended up playing for a, a better manager in that moment of, of my career uh, in Dominic Kinnear and that he truly, you know, I, I felt from the minute that I got there that he believed in me. I felt from the minute that I got there that I was going to learn, that I was going to grow. And then when you talk about culture, you know, that locker room uh, in 2009 was, was unbelievable, you know, the players that you had in there. And so from a development standpoint, I had everything that I needed around me the minute that I walked into that locker room to, to have the right mentality, to understand the importance of coming to work every day and being at your best. Um, and ultimately that locker room and that manager played a huge role in, in my own personal development. And then my belief in, in what I want uh, in players, you know, in my locker room as well. I love it. I love it. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, that story, you know, I just, I can imagine how, you know, that draft must have felt like. And um, <laughs> for our fans, you know, who don't watch the league as much, you know, we know you spent some time in Norway, and, you know, recently we ha we've had a monster come from there in Erling Haaland. You know, can you, like, you know, shed some light on what was it like playing over there? What's the soccer culture like, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, wow, what an experience for sure. Um, I was living in Buda, which is in the Arctic Circle up north, and it really is kind of how you would expect a, a Scandinavian country to be in that everybody was extremely welcoming. I mean, the, the people, the fans were, honestly, it was, it was amazing because you'd walk around this small little city, you know, and everybody would, would stop you and tell you, hey, good game, or, you know, oh, we'll get them next time, you know, things like that. Um, but there was also a lot, you know, an added pressure for sure my first time experiencing promotion relegation obviously as a player I'd been in the league for four or five years before I went over and and so it it certainly you know opened my eyes a little bit uh with regard to that and 
but the the city was amazing. The club treated me well. Uh, I love, I have nothing but good things to say about that country. Oh, amazing, uh, Coach Danny. One of my questions I had for you, and again, for the soccer fans, it's a pretty common theme that, you know, soccer players turn into coaches, coaches down the road. I wanted to ask you, at what point in your career did you know coaching would probably be the next step for you? I know we mentioned that we had Coach Mark Lowry on the show with us, and I think he knew as young as 16 or 17 that he wanted to be a coach. So I, I guess I wanted to ask you, what was that turning point when you knew that coaching was for you? Yeah, so when I was, honestly, when I was playing in Philadelphia um, for the union, I was coaching, a, you know, an under, I believe it was 16 team at the time. Uh, it was my first real experience in it. And I honestly fell in love with it. You know, these these kids who wanted to learn every single day and brought a smile on their face every single day. Building those relationships uh, is, uh, you know, it's a firm principle of mine with regard to a locker room and, and management in general. And so I would say, so that was probably around 2012 or 13 uh, is when I got my first, you know, where, where I walked away from that experience going, you know what, this is, this is pretty remarkable. Um, and it's a way to, to continue staying in the game. And honestly, anytime you have the ability to really challenge yourself and you're, you never have all the answers, right? And this is a profession where if you're willing to, you know, put your ego aside and understand that um, there's always room to, to learn and grow, then I believe that the sky's the limit. But the minute that you feel, you know, that you have it figured out uh, is when, you know, it, it can become a, in my, in my opinion, it can become a problem, right? And so I've tried to continue that mindset, you know, since I've become a coach and it certainly has helped kind of pave the, the path that I'm on. Oh, that's amazing. No, um, thank you so much for that insight. One of my other questions I had for you, and very notable to mention, Coach Danny, you're relatively young. You know, you're, you're 31 from what we saw. And I think we saw an interesting stat on the USL where I believe 60% of the coaches were under 40 or some, some high stat like that. I wanted to ask you, you know, as a young coach, who do you turn to advice for as in regards to just uh, any, any game plans or any what are your, what's your support system like? And one thing I know um, we talked to coach Mark Lowry on was there's not a lot of, uh, you know, let's have a beer after the game with another, with other coaches on win or lose, just kind of, how's your interaction like with other coaches and what's your support system with other, other coaches? Yeah. You know, I think uh, the support system that you're talking about is extremely, extremely important in this, uh, in this line of work. There's no doubt about it. And honestly, I have a, a ton of different people that I, I reach out to, whether it be through tough moments, whether it be through ideas, obviously my staff here as well. And I think that those relationships, like I talked about, they're, they're a key piece in, in trying to continue your growth and have success ultimately. Um, with regard to opposing team coaches, you know, I, I have a, a ton of respect for a lot of the managers in, in this league. Um, and there's different uh, challenges that are presented to each and every one of us, obviously, you know, but there are certain coaches for sure, you know, after Colorado, um, Brendan and I, you know, we, we had a beer and you catch up, you talk about the game, you know, you gather each other's thoughts, especially when it's opponent uh, that you're, you're probably not going to see again until, you know, you're, you won't see again unless it's the final, right. Um, being in the West. So 
I think it's good to to be able to share those ideas and get that feedback because again, ultimately, it only leads to to growth. Thank you so much for that, Coach. One of the first things that I wanted to ask you, you mentioned it at the beginning. We were thinking of speaking to you at the end of July, and we're like, okay, he has three games in nine days. And we're like, <laughs> okay, he's definitely gonna be exhausted for that. Yeah. Now, for coaches experiencing a similar situation or that might experience this in the in the future. How do you prepare for games in, with such a tight schedule? Yeah, so so for you know for us we certainly plan uh, in advance, right? So if I've said this numerous times in the media, if you truly believe that every player in your locker room has the ability to start a match, which I do, I genuinely believe that, and I think I've shown that. Then, with regard to your your planning, uh, you know your periodization and your long term planning, you're able to kind of map out. Uh, your ideas of how it could look in managing those minutes and legs and and all those things and for the most part during that stretch that you're talking about I won't even say the most part it, it we really did stick to the plan with regard to to those matches because of how quick the turnaround was the travel was really difficult you know going from Colorado to Kansas City back home against Oklahoma City it was difficult but the, how the players managed it was fantastic you know everybody being ready making sure that they're getting what they need after a match we we certainly rotated quite a bit i think by the end of that trip i started eight or nine different players you know going into oklahoma city so when you have that depth and you have that trust in everybody in your locker room it certainly allows you to to plan further ahead that, now that's interesting because it kind of touches on what I'm going to ask you next is that, you know, there's no specific formation that will guarantee you a win. But obviously, when you have a game plan that works and let's say you're up 1-0, 2-0 in the first half, and then in the second half, you notice that the opposite, uh, the opponent is, is coming towards you and it's pushing the lines, it's attacking you, it's creating dangerous threats. What is your style of, of of kind of like modification of game plan do you change the players or do you do both what's your i guess methodology in touching those uh, touching that subject no that's a great question so you know for for the most part you we not for the most part we st will stick to our principles through every phase of the game but to your point about game state and you know is there 20 minutes left are we under the under pressure a little bit more Uh, I have no problem changing the shape. You know, the thing that I'm, again, very fortunate with this locker room in is we have multiple pressing systems uh, that we can play, that every single player understands a role and responsibility in those presses. Uh, we have different um, shapes with regard to our block. We've gone through situational play where if we're up a goal late, up two goals late and under pressure, like you're saying, we shift a certain way. Um, but I think the most important thing is making sure that the players understand those roles and responsibilities, regardless of, of the game of the game state. And so for the most part, you know, we work quite a bit on, on situational play and on making sure that, you know, in those different game states that are presented, how do we handle it? And each player at the end of the day goes back to our principles, right. And make sure that, that if we continue to play by those, And the, and, and the way that we want to play and we don't allow the opponent to dictate the game, then no problem, right? Um, but that's football. Some, sometimes you'll, you'll make a change and it doesn't work. Sometimes you make a change and, and it does. And fortunately, for the most part, those changes that we've made here while we've been on this run 
um, the players have responded well and, and come out with a result. And ultimately, right as the manager, that's what you're looking for. That's amazing. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of players uh, have enjoyed being able to work with you. Um, actually, you know, we read uh, a few days ago, uh, Louisville's number 10, Brian Ombry, uh, mentioned something about you. He's, uh, he says that you have put him in a good spot to perform well, and you have given him the confidence uh, to be at the highest level. So from your experience, what is the best way to communicate with players to effectively coach and help them reach this um, their highest potential? The biggest thing for me, Christian, and, I, I, and I, I'm hopeful that every single player in my locker room would say this to you, is, uh, is being honest with each and every one of them, with where they're at, how I feel they're performing, um, the importance of training, how they're performing in training as well as games, obviously, you know, and so... Well, I feel extremely humbled to to hear a quote like that from one of my players. I do feel like uh, a player like Brian is is somebody that has thrived off of that honesty and has, you know, when he's been performing well, uh, I make sure he knows it. Uh, when he hasn't performed well, I make sure that he knows it. And we look to try to obviously focus on the areas that he needs to improve in training. But he's certainly performing at a high level right now. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is uh, he knows that uh, I'm confident in him, even if, you know, earlier in the season where he wasn't playing nearly as I would just say as he, he wasn't as hot as he is right now. He certainly I, I, I never lost, you know, lost any faith in him. And, and I made sure that, you know, he believed that uh, I had full confidence that he was going to continue to perform well and that he was going to score goals and get assists. And uh, he's at his best when he feels free. Uh, and I want to make sure that our players uh, have that freedom when they're in between the lines, because ultimately they're the ones that are going to, you know, earn the three points on the night. They're the ones that have to implement the ideas from the week. Uh, and this group here has been phenomenal to work with from that standpoint. Uh, thanks so much for that, uh, Coach Danny. One question from, from me, um, and, you know, obviously looking up your stats prior to the interview, you know, for the soccer fans, we noticed one of your longest tenured teams that you were with was with the Philadelphia Union. And I think Jim Curtin's doing some wonders in Philadelphia, and I believe you and him overlapped. Just wanted to ask you, you know, what was your time with, in Philadelphia? And also, if, if there's anything that you learned from Coach Jim Curtin, because, uh, you know, obviously they just won the Supporter Shield um, this past season, and they're doing some great things in Philadelphia. And we, we hear a lot of people rave about him. So, of course, we had to ask. Yeah, I think he, you know, I, I have a ton of, a ton of respect for, for Jim and, and what he's doing there. I, I have a ton of respect for the faith that he has in his young players coming up with regard to development, uh, giving them opportunities when, when earned. Uh, I think one of the biggest things, uh, that I, I certainly learned from him is the importance of, uh, manager player relationship, uh, the importance of making sure that these players understand that, uh, while, while this is, a you know, a job and there's an expectation that those relationships matter, right? We talk a ton in our locker room about family. Uh, and I would say with Jim, he was the, he was the type of manager that you knew you could knock on his door. If you, you know, if you just, if you wanted feedback or if you needed to talk about something. And I think a lot of his players will tell you, at least from my experience, that uh, his door was always open. He, you felt as a player that he, he cared about you both on and off the field. Uh, and those are those are certainly things that, uh, you know, he's one of many managers of I, I, that I've had that 
um, have helped kind of mold my philosophy uh, in, in thinking about that, because I, I, you know, I think it's easy for, for a, a manager to, to say that, right. But the action is what matters and ultimately what these players uh, care about. And so what I want to make sure that, that my locker room understands is that, you know, it's more than just a game. You know, we go through this grind daily for 10, 11 months and um, you're in, you're in the trenches with them every single day. And so I know I've said it a ton on this podcast already, but it is my belief that, you know, buy-in and, and relationships are ultimately what uh, allow, a, a, sorry, play a huge role in, in the success of a team. Oh, amazing, Coach. You know, and this is probably a question from all of us, uh, Danny. Obviously, you know, we really believe the USL deserves more attention. It, we turn on to some of these games, and some of these games are real close. They're really MLS uh, level to me, in my opinion. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, what makes playing in Louisville so special? If you could just talk a little bit about the fan base, playing at the Lynn Family Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium from what we saw. Just kind of, you know, what's what's playing in, in, in Louisville uh, like? especially you being on the coaching yeah. side. Yeah. So listen, I've played in almost every one of the, the MLS stadiums that are there now, other than obviously the new ones that have just gone up. Right. And and I can tell you from experience that this stadium matches up with any of them and the atmosphere that, that our fans bring uh, every game is, is something really, really special. And I talk to the players a lot about, uh, not taking what we have here for granted. You know, we're very fortunate to have an ownership group and a president that do everything they can to make sure that we're supported and have what we need to succeed. Uh, and ultimately, uh, none of this happens uh, with without, you know, their vision. And and then obviously the success that these players have had year in and year out, right? But we talk a ton about not being complacent, right? And making sure that uh, we understand the expectation that we have here at Global City. Um, and, and when you walk out and you see the fans and you hear the echo and the goal goes in and the lights start flashing and, and the smoke starts going, I mean, these are moments that you play for, right? And um, so this, this place is truly uh, is some, something that's special. You know, our training ground is, is, you know, to your point, it's just as good as any MLS uh, training ground out there, in my opinion, uh, and I'm I'm fortunate to 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 be the manager, and and uh, no, I said it already, but I I won't won't ever take it for granted. That's for sure. Wow. Then uh, let me look at flights to Louisville City to catch a game in person. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would. Hey, I would. You know, I'm just a little a little low on funds, but um, we got we got to go over there again. We got to make our way out there for sure. For sure. You know, coach. You're relatively young, you know. I think if you if you want to, you can still definitely play a couple more games back in the MLS. <laughs> you know? I, I could if I lost about 35 more pounds, <laughs> i tell you what. <laughs> but, you know, in a, in a hypothetical situation, let's say if you had to play one last game, what team would you choose to play for? Oh, man. Put me on the spot there. I'd go back to where it all started. I'd want to play a game in, uh, in Houston. Uh, I just, you know, my, I have a lot of fond memories there. We've, we, we won some, uh, some big games, you know, lost in the finals to the galaxy. Uh, if I could go back, I'd play, I'd play one more game just where it all started. The, the club that drafted me and believed in me from the start. That's another city we got to make our way out to. And, and Tom Brown was doing some amazing things over there too. Oh Yeah. 
Oh, Glenn Davis must be very happy to hear that as well. Coach Davis. Glenn Davis. Oh, my yeah. goodness. What a guy. Glenn yeah, Davis. Yeah. He, he's, he was, we talked to him, uh, I think, a couple of months ago. And he's just a great human being with such great insight. It's, it's, it's amazing. What memories do you have of Glenn? I, I, I didn't know if you were, you know, if you knew Glenn. Yeah, yeah. When I got drafted there, he was the first guy that I did an interview with uh, on the radio. And uh, just a, like I said, a really good human being. I think he's very good at his job for sure. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, definitely, uh, he's definitely a guy that I'll remember. No doubt about it. <laughs> now he's doing great things for Houston too. So I, it's good to see a lot of fans are following him. And then, you know, he has such a big, I guess, saying in, in the community. So it's, it's really glad to hear from you, uh, coach Danny. Uh, one of my last question, I think this is the last question for the show is, you know, first of all, what are some resources that coaches who are starting this journey could use in order to develop uh, their, their coaching uh, skills? Um, you know, if there's any specific books or resources that you may have. And for you, what is probably one of the best advice that you can share with coaches uh, in order to succeed in this field? I think the big, the biggest thing, uh, you know, that I would say, and I talked about it a little bit earlier uh, on the show, is continuing to, to keep an open mind and, and be willing to, to learn from those around you. Uh, and Uh, there's a sense of uh, a humbleness that I think is important with regard to, to growth. So I think that would be the biggest thing that I would say, you know, from a, uh, from an actionable standpoint that you can do. And then the other piece of it is try to, whether it's a phone call, whether it's uh, as many conversations that you can have with people that are in an environment that you want to be in or want to be around. There's a lot of, the managers out there uh, that I know for a fact helped me in many different ways with regard to how I see the game and, and philosophical ideas. And there's a lot of managers out there that are more than willing to, to have those conversations, you know, and I think it's important that people feel comfortable to, to be able to, you know, shoot off an email or a phone call here and there and know that, um, feel confident that there are managers out there that are open to having those conversations because those conversations help mold your ideas and, and can, can kind of guide you in, into seeing the game maybe a little bit differently than you do. Uh, and, and then watching as much as you can. If there's a manager out there that plays the type of football that, that you can identify with, right. And, and want, you know, your group to play and, and try to watch as much as you can to, to learn and, pick up different ideas. I think those would be the biggest things that I would say. Oh, amazing coach. You know, I think to all the soccer fans who are not watching USL, they're doing themselves a big disservice. Uh, coach Danny, for me, I think my last question before, yeah, before we definitely wrap it up, just wanted to ask you, I think you've been with the USL around the USL easily over four years now. I just wanted to ask you, you know, just for the soccer fans, what can you just talk about the level of talent getting better year over year over year and kind of what you're seeing from other, all the other teams around you? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Uh, you know, I think you put it perfectly and it, and it's continued to, to, uh, to grow every single year. I think what, uh, a lot of these clubs are doing with regard to youth development plays a key role, uh, in the building of a culture, right? And so that's something here that we take a lot of pride in. You know, our, our academy director, Mario Sanchez has done a fantastic job 
as well as his staff uh, with, with bringing these kids up, you know, we've, we've already signed, you know, two uh, players from our Academy, the first team contracts, right. We have multiple guys that are in training every single day. Um, and I think that's a big reason uh, that you're going to continue to see the growth in this league. There are a lot of clubs that truly believe in it like ourselves, you know, and it looks like Mark down, down in El Paso feels very similar. I know you spoke with him as, as well as, uh, Rick in, uh, in Phoenix. So as I said, I think it's important that, that we continue to, to believe in that and continue to do our, our best to develop these kids. And, and because there's nothing better for the community than I can tell you than, you know, when a player on our roster, Josh Winder or Elijah Winder gets to put their jersey on and they're on the field, it's an actual attainable goal for these kids that are in at this facility right now. And, and then when you go, when you, when you take it a step further and you look at uh, how the, the game in this league has continued to develop, and I think there's some very good managers in the league um, that are doing some great things. And this is a league that I think the sky's the limit. That's my honest belief. And the standard is, you know, is extremely high. Uh, the games are very challenging no matter who you're playing. Uh, and it's, it's, it's certainly fun to be a part of. Uh, 100%. And most importantly, I think, you know, there's a lot of eyes on the USL and it can become a, a stepping stone to get to the MLS where we're seeing a lot of teams like the Atlanta Uniteds, NYCFCs, LAFC spending millions of dollars on, on, you know, recruiting players coming from other countries. So it's been amazing to see. For sure. Um, uh, Coach Danny, we want to say thank you so much for being on with us. I mean, you could be doing a million other things right now, but thank you for taking the time. And like Eric said, we'll, we'll definitely have to book some flights to Louisville, uh, catch a beer with you and get some food or something like that. Absolutely. I would love that, brother. You guys keep me posted. All right, guys. That was the interview with Coach Danny Cruz. What a great guy. What a great interview. Coach Danny, thank you so much. Christian, man, let me throw it to you. What you think of Coach Danny? Amazing. I mean, Mark Anthony K talked a little bit about Louisville City, uh, putting the right pieces together. I think management, coach, coaching staff, and everyone there is just amazing. And the amount of respect they have with each other and with the other teams, I think there's something valuable. And one of the things that I uh, that stuck to me was that he talked about being able to be open for ideas, being able to be open to receive them to give feedback and to build on that. And that's why he's uh, a great coach. And hopefully they continue to do great, man, because they're definitely in great hands. 100%. Eric, I'm, I'm glad you were able to be part of this interview. Uh, what do you think of Coach Danny? I mean, first and foremost, you know, I just want to congratulate him again, you know, on getting, getting the permanent job. Definitely well-deserved. Our interview with him was just amazing, and I learned so much. And it's obvious, you know, why he got the permanent job. And he's going to lead this team, you know, to more success. And Louisville just be thankful because you definitely have a an amazing coach and you know more titles are definitely going to come your way for sure 100 percent. the usl is no scrub league some good teams around and, and coach danny we're super happy for you congrats on the permanent role well deserved uh can't wait to fly out to louisville like eric said trying to get some flights out there uh, <laughs> lynn family stadium is the name of the arena out there we gotta go we gotta go catch game out there uh louisville uh soccer subs on the road like christian likes so yeah we gotta get out there we got invited, so we're going to make that happen. <laughs> Eric uh, and I are going to fly uh, business. business. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's start getting out of here. Christian, last few words, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, it feels good to be back with you guys, man. Thank you for uh, joining us, and thank you for listening. And, look, we got great content, great analysis, 
And just just so much insight that we love to share with you guys. So thank you for joining us today. Oh man, listen, I I love being here uh, for every other episode. You know, I love it. Um, you know, for all our soccer sub fans out there, uh, I am also interested in Spain. I am accepting donations. You know, whenever. <laughs> go find me. Go find me. Instagram. Just you know, just just send them my way. And you know, to all those Barcelona and U.S. men's national team fans out there that you know probably hate me, it's it's okay. You know, it, it happens. You know, we have our highs and lows. But you know, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you in the next episode. You took Julian Araujo with you, man. We're not we're not too happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for the soccer fans, thank you so much. Episode 37 is officially down in the books. We'll be back for episode 38 with another big guest. We got some good content coming your way. More guests as usual. And thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys in the next week or two. And for episode 38, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.